December 29, 2022. We're in Masechet and Let's pick up six lines from the bottom, the third word onto the line. The Gemara says, And the Gemara, if you recall, says that the Pasuk from Tehilim, from Mizmor Yotet, that we say at the conclusion of the Amidah, a God, the words of my mouth should be berason, they should be accepted willfully by you. They're mashma, they, they sound like something that could be said at the beginning of a conversation or even at the end of a conversation. Why is it then, says the Gemara, why is it that the rabbis specifically established that pasuk as the conclusion of the Amidah? In other words, I can start a conversation with you by saying, what I'm saying to you, I hope you take seriously. I could end it by saying, what I said to you, I hope you take seriously. The fact that this pasu can be interpreted in both ways, either could have been mentioned at the beginning and the end of the Amidah, or just at the beginning of the Amidah, or as the Hachami more than anything are wondering, why specifically is it mitkan at the end of the Amidah? Lemru me'ikara, perhaps we should have instead said it at the beginning. Amar ben Pazi, the answer here of Rabbi Yehuda, uh, the son of Rabbi Shimon ben Pazi, Ho'il vela amaro David ela le'achar shemona esre parashiot, lefichach takinu rabbanan le'achar shemona esre berachot. Since this pasuk was only said at the end of 18 Mizmorim and Tehillim, it's at the very end, the Gemara is telling us, of Mizmor Yodhet, the 18th Mizmor. So in turn, as we say Amidah, which is structured by Anshei Knesset HaGedolah, the way in which they did it was similar or somehow and somewhat parallel to Tehillim, that at the conclusion of what was once 18 Berachot of the Amidah, you say those words, Yehiyu Lerason. So at the end of Mizmor Yodhet and the end of Yodhet Berachot of Amidah, says the Gemara, but wait a second, that's not so. If you were to count the Mizmorim and Tehillim, which we do and have, and that's interesting because whereas the Gemara, in the time of the Gemara, Perakim in Humash, for example, were not a reality. That's a later reality that we as a nation started to go based on Perakim, which were established from outside of us. But Mizmorim of Tehillim is clear from several statements to come. They were working with Mizmorim and Tehillim. They had Mizmor Aleph and Mizmor Bet and so forth. Uh, but anyway, that being the case, says the Gemara, but if you count them up, Hane Shemona Isre? Chaisre Havyan. This isn't 18. And at the conclusion of the 18th Mizmor, as you suggested, are those words Yehiyu Lerason. If you were to count it, if you were to open to the standard Tanakh Terei, you'd see it's at the conclusion of Mizmor Yotet, the 19th. It's not congruent then with the statement we made earlier of that parallel uh, structure of the Amidah to Tehillim. Answers the Gemara, Ashrei Ha'ish Ra'cheshu Goyim Hada Parashahi. The answer of the Gemara is the first two Mizmorim of Tehillim, the first which begins with the words Ashrei Ha'ish, and the second which begins with those words Lamma Goyim, those are really counted as one Mizmor. Although in the standard Tanakh today, although already at the time of the Gemara, they were assuming it's two separate Mizmorim, which offsets all the count afterwards by one. In truth, they should be counted or could be counted as one. De Amar Bihuda Bered Bishimon Ben Pazi. After all, we have 
further proof that we could adduce for this idea that the first two Mizmorim are really one from the following statement, having nothing to do with what we discussed other than if you do the math, the Mizmorim are one off and it must be that it's because they once upon a time counted differently, counting the first two as one. The statement is, David. David first said 103 Mizmorim, Velo Amar Hallelujah, but he didn't exclaim, Hallelujah to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, praises, are you God, Ad shel until he witnessed and saw the fall of wicked people. Shene Emar, as the Pasuk says, and we're imagining this Pasuk is going to be at the conclusion of the hundred and Third Mizmor, after all, that was the statement of Rabbi Shimon ben Pazi. What's the Pasuk? Questions the Gemara. Beautiful Pasuk, perhaps. A fantastic statement that God, that David praises God. Seeing the, the, the destruction of evil, evil doers. And no, no wicked people any longer. At the conclusion of that, he praises God. But the detail you mentioned that it was at the conclusion of 103 Mizmorim seems to be wrong, because if you count them up, if you open to the standard Tanakh today, Kof Gimal, is that really 103? If you count them, if you look at the Mizmor, it's at, rather from Kof Dalet Avyan. It's in Mizmor Kof Dalet. It's the 104th Mizmor. Rather, we perhaps should... Um, conclude based on this, as we suggested earlier, those first two Mizmorim are really counted as one. De Amar, we have further reasoning for why we would count them as one as opposed to two. De Amar Bishmuel Bar Nachmeni, Amar Biohanan, Kotarasha Shahayeta Havival David, Patahba Beashre, Visiemba Bashre, Patah Beashre, Dictiv Ashre Aish, Siemba Ashre, Dictiv Ashre Kohosebo. The statement over here is any Mizmor which was beloved to David, he opened with the words Ashre, word Ashre, and ended with it as well. What's the proof? Ashre Haish starts with Ashre and ends with Ashre Kohosebo. But that Pasuk of Ashre Kohosebo is in Mizmor Bet. So what do you mean he opened and closed with it? It must be it was one segment. In the same way in today's day and age, for example, if you wrote an essay, you open in one way and you end in the same way. So too, a beautiful Mizmor begins with Ashre and ends with it as well. Again, the reasoning and rationale over here in the Gemara for its mention, the reason the Gemara is mentioning this is to tell you the first two, Ashre Ha'ish and Lamara Gishu, are really counted as one. So how many Perakim of Tehillim is there, according to this? One less than we have. So, 149. Instead of a perfect 150, it's 149. Um, again, we count it alternatively with an extra Perak. In the scheme of things, to the best of my understanding, you're not going to make a critical difference. There's technical differences, although the fact that this should be noted, I'm, I'm not proficient in this, the fact that the Hachamim already were counting the Mizmurim of Tehillim, whereas the Perakim and Torah, as I mentioned, are not counted by the Hachamim, uh, so as a result, they didn't lend uh, any, any significance to it because it wasn't a thing for them. The fact that Mizmorim of Tehillim, they had either a tradition or some sort of working uh, um, analysis of this, there therefore might be something to be said with regards to their number system of Mizmorim or the Masorit of Mizmorim. Numbers are very significant with regards to counting psukim, words, letters, and so forth. Tosafot questions something, however. They say, any Mizmor that's beautiful, in the eyes of David, he opens with Ashre and ends with Ashre. Guess how many times you find this in Tehillim? 
once, and it's the one hour Gemara mentions. What a strange reference, and enemies more. So Rashbar, Shilomo Ben Aderet, he suggests it's just an exaggerated statement in the Gemara. It's another way of saying, this is a beautiful Mizmor because it opens and ends with Ashrei. Not to say that there are others. Tosafot alternatively says, uh, suggests that the word Ashrei at the beginning and end is less Islav Bedafka. What we mean is he opens and closes with the same word, the same reference. That's what shows a beautiful Mizmor that he was, so to speak, proud of and put a lot of energy and, and, and mind and, 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 and heart into. Uh, so, for example, all the Mizmorim that start with Hallelujah and end with Hallelujah suggest Tosafot those would be included in this sort of statement as well. Okay, that's what we have in the Gemara thus far. Says the Gemara short story, which will bring us back to that pasuk that we talked about just a few moments ago. It's tangential, and we'll have a tangent on the tangent of Yitamu Hata'im in Usha'im Odinam. The reference to uh, the destruction of what we understood to be sinners. Says the Gemara, Hanahu Biryone. There were Biryone, says Rashi, Piritzim. It means thugs, means people who are up to no good. They were living in the neighborhood of Rabbi Meir. And they were giving him tsar, they were painting him, they were giving him sorrow. Tuba means a lot. Rabbi Meir prayed about them, but not for their good, but rather for the general good, that they would die. These Abiryone who are causing sorrow to be Meir, perhaps to others as well, be Meir prays that they die. Amara Amera Devitu. I guess after hearing him or he telling her, his wife Beruria, the wife of Rabbi Meir, in turn says to him, Beruria is a famous personality in the Gemara. As Rabbeinu Nisim Gaon on the left-hand side of the page points out, we know from elsewhere she was she was the daughter of Rabbi Hanina ben Tradion. We have very, many statements about her with regards to who she studied with and how she how she was very knowledgeable in Torah. To the best of my knowledge, she is the only woman in the Gemara that is mentioned with regards to real analysis of Torah in, in a deep way to the extent that she's respected in her opinions very often. Says the Gemara, his wife Beruria says to him, What's your thought? What do you think? Mishum dichtiv, you think it's appropriate for you to pray for the death of these biryone because the pasuk says yitamu hataim because the sinners should uh, be uh, uh, d- destroyed or should uh, cease to exist. Miketiv hotim, does the pasuk say hotim? It doesn't say that. It says hataim ketiv. Now the word hataim need not mean what she's about to suggest that it means sins as opposed to sinners, but at the very least the fact that it doesn't say hotim, which is certainly meaning sinners, means it could be interpreted both as sins and sinners. That's the type of word it is. And therefore she says, it doesn't say hotim, hataim ketib. I don't think that the word hataim necessarily means sinners. It might mean sins. Ve'od, and furthermore, according to your reading, Rabbi Meir, my husband, there's a certain redundancy in the Pasuk. Pasuk is just repeating itself. Shafel lesefe dekra. Read the end of the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, And it says, And wicked people will no longer exist. That being the case, says, says Beruria to Rabbi Meir, this is just repeating itself. Once you told me that David is thanking God for the destruction of evildoers, well then, evildoers are no longer. Is he just repeating himself? Of course, even with this reading of it, that's not per se a knockout question. 
That's called poetry. It's called Tehillim, which you have on, from time to time. Regardless, that's her claim to Rabbi Meir. And as a result, she suggests that it's a reference to not sinners, but sins. Ela, rather, my husband Rabbi Meir says, Indeed, you should be praying for them, but not for their death, but rather, that they do repentance. And, and by so doing, there won't be sinners any longer. So Yitamu Hataim is a reference to pray to God, be thankful to God for the destruction of evil doing. And once you got away, got rid of call it Yetzer Hara, the tendency and the and, and the ways of doing bad, you no longer will have evil people. Indeed, Rabbi Meir listens to his wife, Beruria Ba'a Rahame Ilavayu, he prays for them, these Biryone, these Piritzim. Vahadru and they did Teshubah. Continues the Gemara and tells us another story. Amar lahahu minale Beruria. The only connection between this next one, to the best of my knowledge, and the last story is that it's Beruria, after which we'll return back to the Pasukita Muhataim. But here says this Min. Min is a heretic. We have to imagine this is either a Christian or someone who's uh, leaning toward that. That's really what we're dealing with in this time period. He says the Pasuk says Ketib. Roni akara lo yalada. This was the haftarah last week. It says, uh, rejoice, sing the barren one who hasn't given birth. Sing and rejoice. Why would you sing and rejoice that you don't have children? Maybe the rest of the pasuk is going to say you have children? No, it says akara. Mishum de lo yalada, roni? Because you haven't given birth? Because you don't have children, you should be thankful to God? Amra le shatya. Beruria responds to this mean, to this heretic, Shatya, you silly one, you stupid person. Shefel dikra. Again, you have to read the rest of the Pasuk. Descend, go ba- go down to the end of the Pasuk. Dikhtiv. The rest of the Pasuk there in Sefer Yeshaya says, Ki rabim amar Adonai. There are more Benesh Shomema. Shomema is a reference to Yerushalayim, which was Shamem, which was desolate. There are more people in Jerusalem than those who are impregnated, those who are involved in reproduction, Be'ula, meaning the surrounding nations, those who are persecuting Am Yisrael. Uh, so what does that mean? So how are we both an Akara, Kivyachol Yerushalayim, while at the same time having more children, having more, more uh, um, a continuity, what does it mean when the Pasuk says that there should be a rejoicefulness, some sort of joy in singing uh, from the barren one? Roni keneset Israel shedome shedoma leisha akara shelo yaleda banim legehinam kavataihu. Rejoiceful should be keneset Israel am Israel who are different than you, heretic and your like. You guys are uh, sure proliferating, plenty of you, but guess where you're headed? You're headed to Gehinam. We, alternatively, are Rabim Benesh Omema. Might not le- seem significant. Might seem as if we're coming from a desolate area and not really inhabiting it in the regular and best fashion. Ultimately speaking, we're not headed to Gehinam like you. Continues the Gemara. So another one of these uh, heretics turns to the Biavau and asks him, Ketiv, the Pasuk says, On the one hand, the Pasuk says in Mizmor Gimal in Tehillim, a Mizmor, a song that David sang as he was fleeing his son Avshalom. But then several Perakim, many Perakim later, Mizmor Nunzayin, 57, that's 54 Mizmorim later, 
you have the song, the recitation of David when he's fleeing from Shaul. Now, if we're taking the Mizmorim and Tehillim to be somewhat chronological, if we're paying attention to the ordering, we should therefore pay attention to the fact that David ran away, he fled from Shaul long before he fled from his son Avshalom. Why is the fleeing from Avshalom in the third chapter? Whereas the fleeing from Shaul is in the 57th chapter. Says this heretic too. Which one of these two stories was the initial one? Shouldn't we analyze and, and, and uh, agree? The story that took place with Shaul, David fleeing from him was first. It should have been written, recorded in Tehillim first. Amar Le responds to Biavau Atun, the problem with you, my heretic fellow, is that you don't know how to properly understand and contextualize Pirakim and Pesukim in Tanakh. We are very different than you, he's about to tell him. We pay attention to the context. We don't take a word or a passage out of context and read it in a vacuum. We pay attention to what comes before and what comes afterwards. And we'll suggest, therefore, says Rabbi Avau, according to our tradition, that although a passage maybe took place earlier or later, it would be placed by David, by whoever the author is over here in Tehillim, um, in a specific passage and place, so that you appreciate it based on what's mentioned before or afterwards. Even though it happened later than something else. You guys, atun means you guys, your people, you're not you don't interpret the Torah, Navi and Ketubim, with simuchin, by paying attention to what's close one to the other. That's why you have this difficulty. Anan, we, meaning the, uh, the, the interpreters of Torah in the appropriate fashion, who have the right methodology. Indeed, we go based on what's close in proximity, based on context. And this is not difficult for us. What's the idea of being Doresh Simuchin before the answer to the, for the explanation? Says what's a remez, what's some of hint to the idea that we should be Doresh Simuchin, the fact that two things are mentioned close one to the other. The Pasuk says, that which is close for eternities, yielding truthfulness and straightness. In other words, we pay attention to the context. The Pasuk that begins Perek Bet, the entirety of Perek Bet to a certain extent is about this Milhamet Gog Umagog. The Pasuk talks about that there are the nations who are rebelling against God and Mishiho is Mashiach in the end of days. That's a reference to Gog Umagog this end of days war which the Navi describes. So Perek Bet, Mizmor Bet of Tehillim is a reference to Mohammed Gogu Magog, this end of days war. In turn, why would it, why should it be that immediately after Gogu Magog, in order to appreciate that reference of a rebellion against God and his Mashiach in an end of days circumstance, we mention as well David running away from Avshalom, his son, because a person might scoff they might deny this idea of Gogu Magog. Someone might say, it's nonsense, it's silly. You really think a slave will rebel against their master? You really think the nations of the world will see God, realize his Mashiach, and then nonetheless rebel? That's nonsense. 
you'll say back to him, by realizing the Simichut Parashiyot here in Tehillim, by appreciating the message of Tehillim, uh, ask them, throw back a question at them. You don't believe that? Would you believe the idea of a child rebelling against a father? And they might say no, but you'll respond, you'll say, indeed it happened. And you know it happened. When did it happen? When Avshalom raced after his father to pursue him, to kill him. If that happened, so to this, uh, over here, meaning Mohammed Gogu Magog, Hava, indeed it can and will happen. It continues the Gemara, and we'll conclude with this with regards to that closing up the picture on Yitamu Hataimin Haaretz. And I'll remind you just for a moment that we had a question about how to interpret that Pasuk. Beruria seemed to be telling Rabbi Meir, you have the wrong interpretation. It's not referring to sinners, it's rather referring to sins. We don't pray against sinners, people. We rather pray for them to change, for their tendencies and ways to be better. What we're going to through a long midrash over, here, over several lines, give a punchline which is in there. We don't notice it's a punchline per se unless we read it contextually, which gives us the other picture. And it kind of leads us, and I'll just mention this briefly, with somewhat of a question. Was Buria right? Is it inappropriate to pray against sinners? Or is Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai over here? It's the last Mimra in the Gemara. Does their rightness over there? The Gemara and Zayin, if you recall, had this statement of realizing that after falling asleep while trying to curse the bad guy in his neighbor, the one who was giving him pain, maybe it's not appropriate for people to do that. The Gemara very much, and I think purposefully, leaves us with a somewhat of a confounding, somewhat of a confusing message. Is that appropriate or is it not? Anyway, here's the statement in its full uh, in its full color. My dichtiv, what is it? Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai said uh, in the pasuk at the very end of Mishle in the Eshet Hayom is more pia patchabe chokma betorat chesed aleshona. Now, generally speaking, we assume it's talking about the Eshet Hayom. We translate that as the woman of valor. Now, the fact that Sefer Mishle is the book of Proverbs, it means that it's not necessarily talking about a woman, it means it's talking about a person, a being who stands for valor, for the right things, Hayel. And as a result, this derasha shouldn't keep catch you off guard by saying, well, wait a second, Pasuk is talking about a woman. It's not per se talking about a woman. Marasha struggles a bit with this and suggests maybe we're talking about Ruach HaKodesh in some respect. That's why we talk about it in the feminine. But again, the entirety of Sefer Mishle is Proverbs. It need not and should not be taken literally. And as a result, the fact that this Pasuk, which refers to the person, the woman who speaks about about chokmah, matters of knowledge, and has Torah chesed, words and ways of, of proper doing on her tongue, uh, referring to a man, to the father of Shelomo, uh, not so crazy. About whom, so to speak, was Shelomo uh, uh, speaking and referring to with this pasuk? It says to Bishimon ben Yochai, it should be reminiscent to us of uh, this the character, this person, very important in the life of Shilomo, of Am Yisrael, David HaMelech, Shedar, that in some way he lived, he lived over the course of his life in at least five domains and realms, and we have reference to the songs that he made and said in those uh, domains. We'll discuss what they are in a moment, but before reading it, I just want to very briefly again remind us all that Midrashim are not meant 
oftentimes to be taken literally. So the fact that we're about to refer to him singing in the womb of his mom, or singing when he emerges into the world and first sees the stars and moons and galaxies, it's not meant to be, in my mind, taken as a literal respect, in the literal fashion, that this is what David did. It's rather to give us a message of singing songs and praise and being appreciative and having gratitude at all times, in all contexts. The way I can get across that message by telling stories about in the womb and outside. Uh, that's what colors it and gives it a certain lasting and enduring uh, way that uh, stays with you. But ultimately speaking, to take it, oh, well, now I imagine and realize David, I hope only I sang songs in the womb. I think it's very much not in purpose for that. What is the overarching message then? Uh, an appropriate way to life, a gratitude, a thankfulness, a realization in any of every context, being able to see the silver lining or the direct chesed from HaKadosh Baruch Hu to us. Okay, here it goes. Says the Gemara, Dar Says Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, initially he was dwelling in the innards of his mother, in his mother's womb, and he sang to God, the Pasuk says, are the innards, and it's a reference in turn, the Gemara assumes, to the, Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai assumes, to the innards of his mother. Even in the innards of his mother, he was able to appreciate and sing with his soul to God. He comes out into the air of the world as we know it. Outside of his mother, he looked up at the stars, the galaxies, the constellations, and he sang songs. Reference in this pasuk to the malachim, the constellations, to the ways of God. Outside of this world, to the legions, the sevaot. The third realm and world which David was in and then just praised God. He's nursing from his mother. He's breastfeeding. And he looks at her nipples. And he sings in that context. The word gemul, weaning off, is referenced in the Torah very often to being weaned from breastfeeding. As a result, the reference in this pasuk, the Gemara initially understands it as being yonek mishedei imo. My kol gemulav. Why is the pasuk specifically referred to it as that's the gemul, that's the redemptive side or the positive actions to him? The Gemara says there's more to appreciate than just being nurtured by a mother in such a way. It's to appreciate the fine points. So the Gemara goes a step further, Bishimon ben Yochai, and the Gemara by extension does. Um, it's not only about seeing God in the grander, larger, broader aspects of life, but in the details as well. Says the Gemara, what's the greatness of, of breastfeeding from a, a child from a mother? Look at where a child does so and compare it to animals. Animals, the udders, uh, are on the bottom of the animal. The way that the animals will uh, nurse from their mothers are from the bottom area, whereas when it comes to human beings, a mother, it's the heart is oftentimes associated with higher level thought. The heart and mind bring one to proper thought and appropriate action in this world. That's where the baby is nursing from. You should understand, what does that establish in the baby from that young age? This way, from a young age, from birth, the child doesn't need to, and in turn, over the course of their life, should not be looking in places of nakedness. It's, wean, it's, it's grooming a child from a very young age, God did, with the construction of human anatomy and bodies, that our nursing already conditions us to 
We don't need to be involved in looking at inappropriate things. That is inappropriate. No, but it's necessary. It's not necessary. God crafted human beings in a way in which it's not b'makom erva. Rav Matanamar, maybe it's a little bit more practical. Kedesh lo yinak mimekom hatinofet. It's so that the, 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 the nurturing, the nourishment that the child gets in feeding from their mother is not b'makom tinofet. Tinofet means filth. Dirt. In other words, it's more it's more clean as opposed to if it was on the bottom, next to the um, ne- next to where the the parent the the mother would excrete. Okay, that's the third world of David where he praises God. We have two more. The next one is for our purposes. The reason this was mentioned. David then observes. He realizes that God toppled the wicked people. He's saying, wait a second. You can't tell me a pasuk about this. Beruria interpreted the pasuk. We know yitamu hataim, not as hotim, but rather as sins. Sheneemar yitamu hataim in aaretz ushaim o deinam barachin afshiyat adonai hallelujah. Quotes the very same pasuk we had earlier of praisefulness for the end of hataim, which is interpreted as mapalatan shel reshaim, which means again to tell us within a story of a derasha. Of a derasha, the Gemara is very clearly telling us with regards to appreciating God's goodness to us, if it's about the toppling and downfall of wicked people, we're somewhat equivocal. We're not 100% sure on how to tackle and interpret that. There were different uh, approaches amongst the Hachamim. Lastly, the fifth domain, the Eshet Hayel, the Piyapat Habechokma of David HaMelech, his ability to appreciate the goodness of God and everything, all the way down to Nistakel Biyom Hamitav Amar Shira, when he pondered, when he observed the concept of death, day of death, he was able to sing to God. Why so? What is it about death? That could cause song. Generally speaking, we eulogize death. We cry about death. Why would he sing praise to God? I'm not fully certain, but what I can appreciate and suggest in this on this Gemara is that death, as much as we try to avoid talking and thinking about it, could, if healthily engaged with, if dealt with, not overemphasizing, but a bit of a realization, recognition of a day of death, it inspires us to be effective, to achieve. It, it, it wards us off from being lazy. It gives us a certain realization we won't live forever, and in turn we better uh, do, do better in this world. We may as well change ourselves if that is an ambition and a goal. And as a result, to be mistakil time to praise God, is to say, God, I see a silver lining in death. It means now I'll be more effective. It means now I'll achieve more. It means I'll be efficient and I won't be lazy and I'll be able to... You'll have it over there as well. The Yom HaMavet is greater than Yom HaValedo if a person has achieved in their life. Uh, in in that respect, indeed, and it cites this pasuk. Says the Gemara, but that pasuk has nothing to do with death. It's talking about God's greatness, the the grandeur, the majesty which God, so to speak, clothes Himself in. What does it have to do with death? Where do you hear in that pasuk that is a reference to David praising God for the day of death? The third time we're telling you, read the end of the pasuk. We saw this twice already. Go down to the bottom of the pasuk. It's from the end of this reference. As the pasuk afterwards says, The pasuk talks about the hidden face of God and the yigva'un, the death which in turn is incurred. 
Effectively, then, the Gemara had many different messages and lessons that we could derive and learn from. I'd like to just again reiterate that last long statement of Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai as the enduring lesson, perhaps, for the Limud today, and that is the ability, the necessity to live a life which is one which is wholesome, which is one which is informed and seeking and searching for meaning, is one wherein I'm able to be mivarechet Hashem, to bless God, to sing His praise under any and all circumstances. That means that I'm able to live life with open eyes, appreciating and realizing the goodness affected to me by God, searching for and finding that connectedness which is inherent and possible in any and everything that I come encounter, that I encounter on, on a daily basis. Baruch Adonai